Good morning, everyone. You're welcome to First Raffer Island <clears throat> this Sunday morning. We have a special celebration of our 360th year. And it's lovely to welcome you as members of our church family here, uh, to welcome any visitors joining with us, and to bid a special welcome to our moderator, the Right Reverend Dr. John Kirkpatrick, and to his wife, Joan, who has accompanied him today. Uh, sir, madam, you're very welcome, and we trust that you'll not only know God's blessing as you lead us in worship today, but throughout your moratorial year. Friends, just one or two announcements uh, this morning. Boys Brigade activities have been suspended until after the funeral of their patron, Queen Elizabeth, as a mark of respect. And at the resumption of GB on Thursday evening, the passing of Her Majesty will be noted with a minute silence in each section, and uh, the family will be remembered in their prayers. Friends, I'll invite Dr. Kirkpatrick to lead us in worship this morning. Well, in what has been a most um, historic week and a very significant time in the nation, uh, we come to worship God. But we are reminded that we have always been living our lives before the King of Kings. And the scriptures remind us as we come to worship that to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and forever. Let's join with the host of heaven, the church militant, and the earthly church as we worship him this morning in the singing of our opening praise, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven.
Now let's join together in prayer as we continue to worship the Lord. We hear the invitation this morning, our Father, to come before you and to sing our praises to you and give you our thanks. And you are worthy, you are worthy of all that we can give you from our hearts and our lives. As this paraphrase finds its roots in the words of the psalm that says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Do not forget all his benefits. We thank you, our Father, that we can give you praise for your many benefits to us today. Not least thinking back over the years of the life and the existence of this congregation. Thanking you for your sustaining grace in each of our lives, for we only perhaps have been a small part of that story. And yet we know we have been building upon the lives and the testimony and the faith of those generations before us. We give praise to you, our Father, that you, being the same yesterday, today, and forever, have remained faithful to your people here throughout all of those years. We bless you, our Father, that you've been interweaving the stories of their lives with your kindness as you have ours. And even to this very day, throughout the last week, since last we met to worship you here, we can think about the ways in which you've been Surrounding our lives with kindness and good things, the simple things, the common graces of life, as well as that ongoing marvelous wonder of the grace of God that has been wrought for us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. But we acknowledge that never once, never one day in the 360 years of the life of this congregation has it been a perfect day. We, like every other human being, are fallen and we have fallen short of your glory in many ways. And the fact that we are still here is an existence to the testimony of your keeping rather than our strength. And so we confess our sins to you, Father. Words, deeds, the failure to act, acting in ways that were inappropriate for someone who confesses Christ as Lord. Oh, Lord, there are specific things perhaps in our lives today that weigh upon us that we need to confess before you. And we thank you. We thank you for the pardon that is to be granted to us and offered to us, that Jesus Christ is the one who offers that, that if we confess our sins, he says, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and to be able to experience the burden lifted off our backs enables us then to praise you and delight in you and to be glad in your presence and with one another we look to ask you our father for your grace to sustain us as we meet together today but as we live for you in the coming week and whatever the challenges are before us in this week, we ask that you would help us, grant us grace to trust you and to go forward just doing that next thing that comes to us, knowing that all is well in your hands. And we pray now, our Father, that each of us will experience a, the, the sense of your presence with us in this gathering this morning and that your hand of favor will be upon us. 
that the king, the king of kings, will come and be present. We ask, O Lord, that you be pleased with the worship of our lives and our words, that the meditation of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight. And we ask this through Christ our Savior. Amen. Our scripture reading today will be found in Ephesians, turning to the first chapter. You'll find it. I'll give you the page number. I think you'll most likely not need it, but just... going to read from verse uh, 15, and the page here is 1173 in this Bible in the pew. Reading from Ephesians 1 and verse 15. This is Paul's prayer for the church, not only there, but it's the prayer I think that we know is a prayer for all of us as part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is God's word. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power, that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power, dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet, and he appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And we will end there and ask that the Lord would grant the blessing upon his word this morning. Now, I'm going to come down to uh, below for boys and girls to be coming up, I hope, and we'll have a little opportunity to chat, and I think we'll come up soon. First of all, it is my great pleasure to welcome the Reverend Dr. Joan Fitzpatrick, the moderator of our denomination, and to his wife, Joan 
this morning on this a very historic morning for our congregation as we commemorate and celebrate the 360th anniversary uh, of First Class Guiding Presbyterian Church. We welcome you here this morning, sir, and we're delighted that you're here with us. And we thank you for taking your, the time out of a very busy and hectic schedule, no doubt, uh, to be with us, uh, to be part of a celebration. And equally, it is indeed a very historic day today as we as a nation mourn the passing of Queen Elizabeth II in her 96th year and in her dying jubilee year. There is a lot of history to be made this morning, uh, sir, as we also uh, have just recently installed a new audiovisual system, or upgraded, I should say, an audiovisual system. So this morning we are going out live through our main system. So uh, no pressure, uh, <laughs> but it's good that you're here uh, to, to uh, load test that for us. So thank you very much for taking the time to do that. This morning we would like to acknowledge your time with us uh, in this, our anniversary year. And I would like to present to you, on behalf of the congregation, uh, a print uh, from an original uh, watercolour uh, by one of our members, Mrs. Beth Cheney. Uh, we thank Beth again for uh, taking the time to prepare this for us. So thank you, Beth. Uh, and it's uh, of that splendid view of the Mourne Mountains uh, from Castle Hill, just at Ivey Primary School, or just close by to where the old McGuinness Castle was. So we trust that you will accept this uh, as a token of our sincere appreciation. And uh, thank you for your time with us, to both you and your wife, Joan, and that you will hang it somewhere. Uh, in your home that it will fondly remind you uh, of uh, your time with us and also that you will enjoy the majestic scenery of the morns uh, in your home. So thank, thank you. you again, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, if I can maybe set this all right for me to leave this in. Yeah. Well, before I speak to the boys and girls, can I just take a moment to say thank you? Uh, for this very kind gift and also for the, the welcome and the invitation to come here and be part of your celebrations. Joan and I consider this an incredible honor to be a part of what are really special times in congregations. And I know for some of the boys and girls here, when you think of 360 years, you most certainly, it's like, you know, where do you fit that into and compute in your mind? But it's a long, long time. And there have been Thousands of boys and girls, no doubt, that have sat where you have sat when you think about all the years and the influence and the stories. So to be able to be a tiny part of that today for Joan and I is just marvelous. And to have this uh, picture, we have a new house and there's not a single thing on the walls. <laughs> Every wall in our house is bare completely. So we haven't anything there. So that's most likely a very appropriate thing. It also has a lovely view and... Uh, we are from County Antrim and County Fermanagh, my wife and I, so we don't have many mountains where we live. We have the sea and we have the lakes, so the mountains are special and uh, we, will be, we will be reminded of a very happy time when we look at that and we will remember you and remember this congregation. So thank you so much and I do bring to the whole congregation the warmest of greetings from across the island of Ireland, your family, church family from north, south, east and west of the Presbyterian family today. And uh, on their behalf, I would like to extend to you the congratulations and the 
the, the, the blessing of the Lord to be upon you in the work you're doing now, and especially as you've entered into a new situation where you're looking forward to the next minister who will come to the congregation. It's a whole new day. It's a new, exciting time for you. So we trust that the Lord will guide you in that direction and that you have lots of marvelous things to look forward to. We, we always know we have because God is good to us. He gives his children good gifts, and he has a good purpose and plan for this congregation. I have no doubts about that. So may the Lord's blessing be on you on that journey. And now I want to speak to the boys and girls especially, but for all of us. And I was thinking, the sweets are just for you. To t do you go to Sunday school after this? Right, so you, you can take these out with you. But I, you give me a present, and this is my present to you. So you can have that, right? That's for you to take with you. But there's a, a little verse in here in this passage I read, and it talked about Jesus being given a name that was, he has, and let me read this to you. It says that he has been given a name that is above every other title. <coughs> title. A title. What's a title? Do you have a title? Let me tell you. Anybody would like to tell me, tell me your name? Yeah. Alison. What do you know when if I was writing a letter to you, Alison, what would I put on the front of it? I would. And it would start with what? A. But I might have something even before your Alison. What would I put before Alison? Begins with M. Miss Alison. I don't know your second name, but it would start with Miss Alison. Anybody else? What? Tell me your name. Michael. What would I put before your name if I was going to write a letter to you, Michael? I would have a capital letter, yes, for M. Good man. <laughs> I can tell that there's good teachers in Rathfrayland. Mr. Isn't that right? You'd be Mr. Michael. <clears throat> have you ever had a letter like that? I'm sure you have. Christmas card, birthday card. Well, <clears throat> as you get older, you'll discover that that will become more and more what you see in front of your name. But when you think about the people in the royal family, aren't there lots of titles? Like, what do you, what's the title of the queen who has just deceased? What's her title? Her yeah. Her Majesty, it is in front. H.M., Her Majesty. Or uh, Prince Philip, who was before her, was H.R.H., His Royal Highness. And can you think of any other titles in the royal family? You've got who? You've got who have you? You've got you've you've princesses, yes. You've princes, princesses. You've got what else? Dukes. And who goes with dukes? Oh, sorry, it's hard. Duchess. Do you remember the Duke and Duchess of, or Prince and Princess, or King and Queen, and so forth, uh, all these titles. But do you know that the Bible says that you and I have got other names, other titles, and, and they are very, very special, and I've got quite a few of them this morning, so we're just going to go very quickly through them, and what we'll do is we'll kind of have a look at them, and then we'll just let them sit there. Do you know what I mean? Pop them into our minds. So, 
Who wants to hold up the first one? Tell me your name. Charlotte. Miss Charlotte. The first one is, what is it? That's a name that is given to us. It's a special name, the name Christian. And a friend of mine would used to say it was, if you turn the words around, it is a Christ in. That's what you get for Christian. Somebody whom Jesus lives in. Christian. It's, you don't find the name Christian often in the Bible. But it is a person in whom Jesus lives. Now, who wants to hold up the second one? And tell me your name. Claire. Good Claire. So you stand beside Charlotte there, and there's yours there. All right, what's this one? This is a, a follower. That's a name that was given to those who trusted in Jesus, a follower of the way. The way was a way of describing the lifestyle of a person who follows Jesus. So they follow Jesus, and they live their life like Jesus. Another one? And your name is? Adam. That's a good name. Adam means of the earth. Adam is going to have believer. The Bible calls us, we are believers. It's a name or a title that's given to everybody who's a Christian. And of course, the clue is in it. They believe something. And it's what they believe that really makes the difference. Because everybody believes something. But it's in whom we believe that makes all the difference. That we believe in Jesus that we believe he is our Savior. And that makes the difference. And that's why we are called believers, Christians, followers of the way. Okay, we've got another couple. Any others? Look, there we are. And there is super. And that is, the name is brother or sister. It's, the term is of family members. So whenever... The Lord Jesus talked about those who were his brothers or sisters. He, he was saying, you're part of my family. You're included in my family. And we are included in his family, but we're also then brothers and sisters of each other. So we're all part of that family. So that that's who we are. You are a family member. God is your heavenly father. And you are a family member. Now there's a couple of them. There's three more. Jimmy, there we are, Jimmy, good man. That's, let us all see what it is. It says disciple. And the word disciple is a title given to everyone who is a L plate on them. Do you know what an L plate is? A learner, that's right. If you're learning to drive, you put an L on your car. And that's really what the word disciple means. It means somebody who learns. I'm trying to understand but we never, ever forget that we are learners. Nobody ever gets the L plate off as a Christian. You have to keep it on all your life. We're always learning, learning, learning. We never arrive. We never become perfect. We're always disciples. One more. Yeah. Saint. There you are. There are saints in the Presbyterian Church. We are saints. We are the word means holy, and it's a one of the words that the Bible uses to describe a Christian. You are a saint. You are, you're not perfect, but when God looks at you, he sees you as that because of what Jesus has done. Even on your worst day, even when you feel you've messed up so badly, 
you're still in his eyes like that because of Jesus. And that's wonderful. And then there's one last one. Who wants to do the last one? No volunteers? Good man. You come up beside me here and tell me your name. What's your name? Joel. 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 Brilliant. That's a nice name. And that says, can you read that? Friend. Friend. I think that's a lovely term, isn't it? Jesus says, I call you my friends. Isn't it lovely to know that you can know that you're a friend of Jesus? You may not feel you've got many friends at times in this world, and you may feel you're all alone, but you always are his friend. So if you thought this morning when you got up, I'm just plain old ordinary me, I'm nothing special. To God, you're special because you're all of these things to him. And you may never become his royal highness or her royal highness or duke, duchess or princess or prince. You may never become any of those things, but you're all of these things. And these are far more important, really, at the end of the day, because they are who you really are because of what Jesus has done. Let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll sing a song hymn together. Father, we thank you for what you have done for us through the Lord Jesus Christ, and you've made us all these things. You've, you've, you treat us especially because you love us, and we pray that you would help us to remember who we are and to live out of this so that as we grow in our lives, increasingly we'll come to understand what these meanings, these names mean that we are. We'll live into them, and we'll be true reflections of what they actually say and all because of the kindness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you very much. You can keep it if you want, and it'll be a reminder to you if you want, or you can give it back, but you can take the sweets. Who wants to be responsible for the sweets? <laughs> I think I'll give it to, is it Michael? Adam. There you are, Adam. Your name is First Man, so you can keep them there. And he's responsible and he's kind. Do you want to take a seat, and then we're we going to sing a hymn together? All right. Brilliant.
Let's turn to the Lord in prayer as we remember and pray for one another and for others this morning. Father, as we listen to the words of Scripture, we hear the prayer, the intercession of the Apostle Paul for the church. And it reminds us of how important it is to pray for one another and how marvelous it is to have this grace that when we pray for each other, there is a real blessing that flows into our lives. Thank you for the hope that there is in prayer, that there's no situation that is so difficult or impossible that prayer seeking you and bringing it to you will not have an impact upon that. And today we want to, first of all, just pray for the members of the royal family, remembering they are in mourning at this time and commending them to you, the king and queen consort, their children, and the wider family circle. May they know the encouragement and the comfort that comes from the wonderful assurances that scripture gives concerning the queen and her faith, that she is able to rest in true peace in Christ and that she will have seen her king and she will experience the blessing that that is. We pray our Father for King Charles as he takes on this responsibility that he will be endowed with wisdom and that he will be granted all grace to fulfill the responsibilities that are before him. As he has undertaken and made vows in his accession to the throne and will confirm these in his coronation, we pray that you will help him to be faithful to them. We know, our Father, that these are really strange days when the, the Queen, Her Majesty, Queen Elizabeth, stepped onto the stage as Queen, it was a very different world. There is today a cold wind of secularism that blows against the church. And we seek, O oh Lord, that you would sustain us in this time and that you would help us. For we realize also that here today we're celebrating and rejoicing in the long history that this congregation in First Rathfyland has. Evidences of your kindness and your sustaining grace throughout many, many historical times. Times when there was great persecution, so much so that whole congregations had to leave this island and find a new place to live and worship in freedom. We are therefore conscious that your sustaining grace is that which gives us hope today, that you have won through your Son all the wonderful promises that we can now enjoy and live on 
We don't have to be anxious or fearful about the future, either as a congregation or as individuals, because we know the Lord is the Lord. And so we pray also today for the life of this church. We ask your blessing upon all those in leadership, for the session, for the committee, for those who have responsible positions in leadership in any area, teaching, whether it be among young people, small groups. We pray for every family connected to this church, that you would place your hand of favor upon them, that they may give blessing and leadership in their homes where the scriptures will be taught and read and where your name will be sought in prayer and when you will be truly the one who is honored. May every member of this church be truly like the salt and light that we are called to be in scripture. And as this church here, this congregation has taken that that symbol from scripture to be a light on a hill, we pray that truly that you will cause this church to be a light for Christ, that radiating out from this church will be a people who love Christ and who love this community, who serve Christ and serve this community. We pray for the days ahead in the selection choice of a new pastor, teacher to come into this place, that you will direct and all of that so that you will bring someone who will walk the next stage of the journey and who will guide and lead and teach and who will model Christ. We pray, our Father, for our denomination and thank you for it that we, have a, we belong to a church that is throughout this island seeking to serve you faithfully. We need your help in these days and we pray for your favor that we may continue to truly honor you in every place and that you would grant us, O Lord, the wisdom as we seek to expand and grow and develop in many parts that we are not yet in. Father, we know that we all have our own personal stories and whatever that personal story is today, Just in a quiet moment, we offer up either some need in our life or some need in our family or among our friends that you would hear our prayer. And let us join in the saying of the Lord's Prayer together as we worship. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Now we're going to listen while the choir and minister to us in the words of the hymn, God of Grace.
Thank you very much. Now, just a word of prayer before we turn to the scriptures. Father, we ask that you would open our eyes and grant us the wisdom and insight to see and receive your word today for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, you may want to turn in your Bible again to the passage we read there in Ephesians chapter 1. That's what I want us to think about this morning, uh, just for a few moments. Ephesians 1, and we're going to think about from verse 15 down as we read there together. Special occasions are times when you bring out the special things. If you're having special guests, maybe, maybe you don't do it in your home now, but it has been kind of like Christmas time or special times. You maybe bring out certain things that only come out once a year, you know, the good china or whatever. And it used to be years ago when the minister would come visiting, they would go rustling around looking for a china cup. And nowadays, we don't really want a china cup. We're very happy with whatever is available. But it used to be the tradition, you know, you bring out the good china for the special occasion and whatnot. And there is a sense today in which this is a special occasion for this congregation this year, this time. You have a history and it's a wonderful thing to have a history. It's, uh, and many, many people don't think about it very often, but to have that long-rooted history all the way back to when the, the year when the prayer book was established in the Church of England, 1662, that's quite something. There are not many churches have that history that you have, but you're making history. You're making history every day. You're making history today. And we'll go on making history because that's what we do because it's the way the Lord has made it. And as a special occasion today, I thought that I would go to a part of the Bible where you have the china, as it were. You have the treasure. You bring your treasure out and just have a little look at it and think about it and let it bless you. So this, um, this little section of Scripture is full of special things. Of course, when you, bring out, you can bring out gospel treasures anytime, and they make every day special. If you bring out the gospel treasures and let them rest upon your heart, it will make any moment special, any time special. That's because of the nature, not of the day, but the nature of the, what you're doing, the truth that you're embracing there. And so Paul is praying for the church. He's praying for the church of Ephesus. It's most likely a circular letter. So it's, it's a general prayer for all of the believers there. And it comes to us, and it's also for us too. And it sets before us, as it were, the great mission of the church. And there are times in the history of our lives, be it birthdays or other times, when it's good just to stop and think about what is my life all about? What am I doing? Where am I going? Where's the direction of my life? What, what's happened and what's important in my life? And it's equally important at a time like this in the church's history. What are we doing? You've got a vacant congregation. A great time to think about where should we, what's the direction of our church? You will no doubt already have had as a congregation to have representation to various, the linkage commission of our church, which in that they will ask you the question, so what do you see as the mission of your church? And, you know, you sit around and sometimes we're saying, well, what is the mission of our church? Well, let's try and get it put together on a page. And you've no doubt listed all sorts of things. I think the mission of the church is written for us here. The Apostle Paul talks about, he says, his prayer is 
And I'll just go back and read it here. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I have not ceased to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit or the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. What is the most important thing of all in our lives? Is to know the Lord. What is the most important thing that a church would want to do corporately together is to get to know the Lord. Some churches have taken that as their strap line. You know, our mission is to know Christ and to make him known. They, that's the way they summarize their, what they're there for. We are here to know Christ and to, get to, and to make him known to the world around us. And so this is our ever-present mission. This was the mission back in 1662, and it's going to be the mission in 2062 for those who will live long enough to see it and so forth. It's going to be your mission every day to get to know the Lord and to get to know him better. And in order for that to happen, he prays a number of things. He says, I am praying that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know him and then other things that flow from that. And those are the things that I want to look at very briefly with you this morning. What are they? There really are Three very important things. And I'm just going to set them before us today and allow you to ponder on them. It's always a good thing on the Lord's Day. Maybe you have some time to go back and reflect over, you know, what we have been learning and what we have been hearing in ministry in the morning. Maybe just to reread the passage. Throw it open. Take 20 minutes or half an hour if you've got quiet time on the Lord's Day just to, to do that. And meditate on these things. And slow your life right down. Leave the TV off for a while. And get your space and just be there in the word of God. What are these three things he does? He says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, number one, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. The hope to which he has called you. When you read that, it immediately speaks about looking forward. You and I are looking back in some senses today if we think historically. The church began, the church grew, the church developed. And you can look at all the high points and the low points of that history, or even just your own short history of your time. But this passage is saying to us, but I want you to look forward. Because your story and my story is not just about the past, it's about the future. I read last week, friend sent me a little picture and a little quote about the late Queen Elizabeth. And it was one of her chaplains had been preaching on Revelation. And after it, she was talking with him and she said, I would so love that Jesus would return in my lifetime. And he asked her, and why is that so? And she said, that I could lay my crown at his feet. thought that was a very powerful picture. She was looking forward to when he would come because, of course, Revelation and Scripture is always looking forward. It's always drawing us forward, right from even from the very beginning in Genesis. It's talking about the future. It's, the Bible's hardly got going, and, and the Lord is saying, and I'm going to do this in the future. I'm going to send you someone who's going to sort this all out. 
And so it goes from the garden to the garden in the future, from the tree in the garden to the tree of life in the future. It's all there, a journey that's always taken us forward. And you and I are caught in the stream of that great story. We are part of that story. And Paul says, I just want that your eyes would be opened, that you would see the hope to which he has called you. That future. What is that hope? It's a future of glory. It's a future of blessing, a future of peacefulness. It's a future of sinlessness in his presence, the thing that has held us back and destroys everything. That's your hope. And it's not hope as in I hope, <laughs> you know, I hope it'll be all right today. It's not that sort of a hope. It's hope as in a certainty. And he's praying, he's saying, I hope that I, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart will be opened, that you know the certain things that you have ahead of you. And we need that every day. And some of us need it more one day than other days. But we need to remind ourselves of that. And when we gather together, we need to sing of it. We need to talk about it. We need to pray about it. Because we are a people with a future. We are a people with a future. And that's the first thing. The second thing he asks for, he prays, is that they then, not only would they know what the hope is to which he has called them, but if you follow on in that verse, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? The riches of his glorious inheritance. I mean, the words that Paul uses are words that are to convey something that's so wonderful. Riches, glory, and inheritance. Three words that he uses. What are our riches of his inheritance in the saints? To put it simply, what is it that he has won for us? What is it that Jesus has won for you that is yours and us corporately as his people? Given by the Father, purchased by the Son, and as it talks about an inheritance, executed in the terms of the executor of this will by the Holy Spirit. Colossians, when Paul writes to them, he says in the first chapter of the 12th verse, he says that God has qualified us to share in the inheritance of his holy people. And he's taking language of the Old Testament there. The idea of the inheritance was the promised land. You were looking forward to that which was the goal ahead of you. And all through the weary pilgrimage of, of the wilderness that they had, you know, which was a real weary pilgrimage, 40 years, pretty much the same day after day after day, the same diet and the same landscape, and with a few particular events happening, but there was largely a long faithfulness in one direction. It led to the promised land. The promised land was the land of milk and honey, and it became the place where they would grow and develop and enjoy the rest that the Lord had for them, which wasn't a, temp wasn't a permanent rest. It was a temporary rest, but points forward to the ultimate rest that you and I have in Jesus Christ and you know, this is what we have. We have this glorious inheritance. This glorious inheritance of everything that Jesus has won for us. Think about it. It's a full cup. It's yours because of what Jesus has done for you. And then I read James Montgomery Boyce, the late minister of state uh, from the states he said this in christian circles the worth of a person is not to be determined by their background but by where they are going where they are going 
That's what really determines our lives. And we are working, we are going to our place of our inheritance. Perfection, glory. There's already the glow of that has already sort of arisen in our lives. Once we get to know the Lord Jesus Christ, these things start to become alive to us. And, and we know, we can see the glow of it, a little bit like Pilgrim and Pilgrim's Christian and Pilgrim's Progress. We see the enduring city before us and that we are getting closer and closer to it. We have now something of it, but there we have it in perfection. So the first thing is the hope. The second is the riches of his inheritance. And the third, he then describes in this way, in verse 19, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart may be opened so that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. Immeasurable greatness. He's using all sorts of words that are to convey something of the of the nearly impossible to convey, but he's trying to do his best to put it into words. Immeasurable greatness of his power. Now, we know how we measure things. You can measure all sorts of things. You can measure time, because you have measured it today. 360 years, there's the measure of time. You can put it into days, hours, minutes, seconds, whichever way you want to do it. You can measure heat and cold and you can measure energy, and you can measure weight, and you can even measure wealth. You can talk about a person's wealth. You can measure all sorts of things, their IQ, their intelligence. You can measure endless things. But he says you cannot measure the power of God. There is no scale upon which you can measure it. And he tries to give us something of of how to measure it. And what he does is he uses two things. He talks in the next few verses of those two things. And he says, this great power, and then he says, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That's the first thing, the resurrection. It it tells us about his power. That's the first thing. And the second is, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. Two things, he says, to help us understand this power that God has for you, that you need in your life, that you long to experience more of, which is yours because you are united by faith to Jesus Christ. This is what he says then. He says, you are, you are experiencing the very resurrection power of Christ. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power at work in your life and my life. We have to think about that. We think about ourselves as very ordinary. We think about ourselves as just kind of just getting through. (laughs) We're doing our best, working our way through life and trying to... And we need to remember that there already, if you are a believer... If you are someone who can be described in that list of of descriptions that we had with the boys and girls, a Christian, a believer, a saint, a brother and sister of Christ and with one another, God's power has been at work in your life. You could not praise his name. You could not love him. You could not delight in him if you had not already known the power, the resurrection, the power of Christ in your life, in your spirit to make it alive. That's what's happened to you and to me. We've already experienced this power. Now, it may have come to you in a very dramatic way, or it may have come to you just as quietly as in that empty tomb or that 
darkened to him. Whichever way it came, the result is the same, that you now can call him Abba, Father. That you will not speak to him, it will not come out of your mouth, truly and honestly, unless the power of God has been at work in your heart. That's your story. He says, I'm praying that you will know this even more, this power, this power, because it's the only power that can change the dead and bring it to life. Because that's what he's talking about there, isn't it? Resurrection power takes the dead and brings it to life. And that's what we need in our lives every day. We need to know that power, that power of the Holy Spirit that works through us and enables us to continue this life of faith and life of love. It enables us to do the impossible, to forgive and to love and to show grace and to serve and to sacrifice, all of those things, but doing it joyfully. It's one thing to do it. It's another thing to do it with an open hand and an open heart, joyfully, with the power of Christ in our lives. And that power is available to you and I all the time. It'll never run out. You know, you, it's not like, you know, the, it's like having your life connected to the national grid. You know, your house, wouldn't it be great if you were, I mean, I know it is connected, but I mean connected in a way that there was no meter in between. That you had constant flow of power and it would never run out and there'd never be an outage. It'll always be there. That's the first thing that describes that power. The second one then is the elevation. One is res resurrection, the other is elevation. Look at what he says. It's not only that he raised him from the dead, but then it says, seated him, seated Christ at his right hand in the heavenly places. And what that means is, when it talks about him seating Christ, it's giving him a place of authority. And you need to be a powerful person to be able to give another person a position of authority. That's what God has done. The Father has given the Son a place of authority. Promotion, authority, coronation. That's what it's talking about. When I had been preparing this, uh, the queen was in good health, in health, for I started to prepare this last week. But in the intervening time, her son, Charles, has been granted authority to take the throne. And what happened yesterday, whenever all of those responsible people came together, he, had, he went through the process of accession, being lifted up to a place of authority. So that when he signs his name to something now, that grants it to happen. He will be signing all sorts of things that will come across his desk, laws and rules and all sorts of things will pass. He will sign his name and that name has authority now. But God is saying through his servant Paul here, he says, I am praying, Paul says, that you might know this power, the power that not only raises Jesus, but the power that gives him that authority. Whenever the first Adam came in the garden, God said to him, you will have dominion over all these things. Dominion means you have the power over them. But when the second Adam came, Jesus he says, I'm giving you authority over all these things. Everything is yours. Look what it says. He says, he set him at, the, at his right hand in the heavenly places, 
far above all rule and authority, power, dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet. And that is a symbol. Under his feet means that he is on top. He has authority over everything. And he gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And because he fills the church, and because he fills the church, and there's lots of debate as to what that actually means, but I think when you sum it all up, it comes to the point that he fills the church by his spirit. And in order to get a lovely picture of that, you can turn to Zechariah 4, which is the prophecy that God gave or the vision that God gave to Zechariah, eight visions in one night, about the church. This And, and the idea was of a two olive bushes standing beside, rooted in the ground, and providing a supply of oil for the candelabra, the, the menorah in the temple. And it was saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, Zechariah 4 says. And the picture is to convey this idea of constancy, of constancy, a flow of the spirit, that your light will always shine. And as you have taken as a church this wonderful uh, strap line, a city set on a, a light on a hill, you know, shining out there. The reason you can shine is because you have a never-ending source of power. Your light never needs to go out. Your light never needs to go out because you have the power of the risen Jesus. You have the power of the Jesus who rules. The Jesus who rules, the universe, is the, is the Lord of this church. Who controls the things in this church? Jesus. Who determines the future of this church? Jesus. What is the hope of this church? Jesus. He rules and he reigns. And isn't there marvelous challenges that come out of that to all of us? I, I've thought about four. The reason I would encourage you to sit down with your Bible and a piece of paper is to find your own, you know. But I'll suggest four that come from this to us. And with this, I finish. There's the first of all, I thought, you just can't, you can't but just see how it moves us to be thankful. To be thankful. If the Lord has given us this hope, if the Lord has enabled us to be rich in Christ, if the Lord has given us this power, we say, thank you, Lord. These are, these are the treasures of my life. This is, what ma this is what really matters. When everything else is done, when you and I have nothing left in our lives but a few more breaths, what matters to us is that we have a hope, is that we are rich in Christ, is that we know the power of Christ to have raised us and keep us, to keep us forever. That's why these things are so precious. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The second thing I thought was just, well, Paul is actually saying here, he says, I am praying that you may no. He doesn't say that you'll know it all already, but that you will go on to know it better. And so it's an invitation. It's an invitation, which means God is saying, come with me on this experience, this journey. And you've had many people in your life that have helped you on that journey. And some of them have been your teachers and Sunday school teachers and parents and friends, people who've been examples ministers, pastors, and soon you're going to call another one who's going to 
come and walk with you to help you get to know the Lord better. And the Lord has said, I've given you what we call the means of grace. It means simply those means by which God teaches, encourages, directs us and helps us. And they're available to all his children. That we can pray, read his word, meet together in fellowship, worship him, share in the sacraments. These are all things that are granted to us that we might grow in our knowing these things. So it's an invitation to get involved. It's an invitation to get involved in our church community. You know, we, we don't realize how precious it is to have a church sometimes. I have friends in different parts of the world who have no opportunities to meet together like this because they live in places where it's hard, it's hostile, it's difficult. But we have such a privilege. You know, it's incredible that we have this privilege. So there's thankfulness, there's invitation. Thirdly, I thought there was also the challenge to examine our lives and maybe reassess the many distracting trivia that take away from us our capacity to know the Lord. Our worlds have increasingly been filled with other things. You know how it is. If you want to get to know the Lord, you need to really slow life down. Do you remember during lockdown and all those times, everybody was slow, slow. Life slowed down. We had time. We weren't rushing off to so many things because we know where we could go to. I actually think one of the reasons maybe that happened in the providence of God was just to do that very thing. Just to say to us, the world's gone mad. Would you just stop for a while? Take time. And so there is a challenge to examine your life and say, why am I not growing in these things? Why do these things not really mean something to me? Because I haven't taken the time to really think about them. Skimming over the means of grace and investing in the rest of life is not really the way to grow. So thankfulness, invitation, and ceasing from the distracting. And finally, what it does for me also is, when I know this even a little bit, and none of us here know it more than a little bit, I think, because we're all growing, there'll be the longing then that other people might share in it. You want to share this with other people. You want this story to be shared in their lives that they might come to know the hope, the riches of his grace and the power to transform their lives. You want them to know it. You want your children to know it, don't you? You want them to grow up knowing and experiencing this. You want your friends to know it. You want your, your colleagues at work to know it. You want your neighbors to know it. Because when you come to know this, you realize that there's nothing else that really is as important as this. And you're prepared to go to all lengths in order that they would. You're prepared to invest yourself in it. And it changes everything. So that rather than somebody scolding you to do things, you're being attracted and drawn along by the wonder of it. And it just changes everything in your life and in your heart. I am sure that this is the message that sustained this congregation for 360 years. For there is nothing else that can sustain a life like these things. These are our treasures. And they're yours and they're mine. And by the grace of God, they will sustain us for as ever long as he has chosen to let us continue. And to his praise and to his glory, we would offer up 
our thoughts today. And let's just take a moment to pray. Our Father and our God, we are just at the packaging, as it were, in many ways, as we think about these wonderful truths. We're just kind of handling the paper around the wonderful gifts that they are. But it's our prayer that by your grace you would help us to strip away the packaging more and more and discover the content of the hope of the riches and of the power that are ours through our union with Christ. In Jesus we pray. Now we're going to stand and sing our final praise. After that, we will have the benediction. Then we will have just a little moment of silence to allow us just to acknowledge respectfully uh, the passing of uh, Queen Elizabeth. And then I'll invite you to join in the singing. The first verse of the National Anthem, we have to get used to singing the King and not the Queen. It might take a few times, we might slip up, but I think that'll be Showers of blessing, Sing we bleed. 
of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest, remain, and abide with you all this day and forevermore. Amen. See